Genesis chapter 25, verses 7 through 11. It says, these are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man, and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah and in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There, somebody say there. There, Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. Now, verse 11, it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son, Isaac. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would speak to us in this time that we have. And that you would remind us of how much you can accomplish in our lives. The miracles that are available. The things that you can do for us, we believe. We trust you today. We've all seen you work in some way or another, and today we're choosing to believe again that you will bless us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you know me, then you know I'm a picky eater. I'm real picky. When it comes to pizza, I can't just eat any pizza. It's got to be like Grimaldi's pizza. I love Grimaldi's. If you've never had Grimaldi's, it's probably the best pizza in the city of Houston. It's debatable, but I would say it's the best pizza. If, if, if I'm going to have a burger, I just can't go get a burger anywhere. Like, it's got to be from one or two very specific spots. It's got to be ordered a specific way because I like what I like. When I get pasta, I'm, I'm really hard on the restaurants that serve pasta because I believe I make better pasta than most people. <laughs> you might say, well, man, that's, where do you get these attributes from? My dad can't go to any Mexican restaurant with my dad because within 30 seconds of him trying what's in front of him, he makes this face, he puts his fork down, he says, I could have made something better at home. <laughs> Just been that way since I was young. Can't take my dad to any Mexican restaurant. To him, he can whip up something in the kitchen in five minutes that's better than any restaurant you can go to. I, I'm very picky. I learned it from my dad. One of the funny things is now when I do go to a new restaurant or a place that I haven't been to, because I, I like to order the same thing over and over again. I don't want to venture out and try new things because then I'm going to get disappointed when what I ordered isn't what I wanted. When I go to a new place or when I try a new place in the city, I make sure to always look at Yelp. It's this app. 
You look up the restaurant in this app called Yelp, and the reason you do that, not necessarily for the reviews, because I don't really care about reviews. I'm in Yelp because I want to see the pictures of the food. I want to see what, what you're serving. I want to see what your fajitas look like. I want to know what kind of tortillas you're using. I want to see if your, if your rice looks like rice my mama made. I just, I just, I just, your salsa matters to me. So I go to Yelp because too many times have I gone to a restaurant off of somebody's recommendation and it was terrible. Too many times people say, this place is incredible and I leave there believing I will never ask them again what kind of food they eat and I definitely won't eat food in their home because if they think that's good, I can't imagine what they're making in their house. I've been disappointed too many times. So I go to Yelp. I do it because there was this one time I had a friend tell me, you have to try this restaurant. It's, it's literally the best I've ever had. And when you say something like that, a definitive, like, it is the best I've ever had. Don't just order this. You're going to be satisfied. I, I was... I had so much anticipation in me to try this because I trusted him, past tense. <laughs> and I was ready to eat this food. And, and, and look, I, ha, get yourself a friend that's pes pessimistic. That will give you some real reviews. Like every time I really want to find out, is a place really good, I ask Adrian. Adrian will tell me. I don't know, man. It's like a, you know, it's all right. I think it could be better. Don't get your friend that will just tell you it's the best thing ever. I went and I was waiting and I was, you know, in this place of wanting to get your food. And you know that feeling. And it was awful. It was so bad because the plate that they gave me did not look like what I expected it to look like. It didn't look like it at all. It, it looked off. It looked a little bit different. It didn't look like what I expected it. To look like, I remember looking at it, and, and you know, when you have to turn your plate to get a different angle of the plate, you know something's wrong. I just remember looking at that plate and thinking to myself, hmm, this isn't what I pictured. This, this isn't what I pictured when I walked in here. This isn't what I thought I'd be receiving when I walked into this place. You know, I, I tell you that story because I believe that some of you, when you look at your life and where you're at right now, I think you would say the same thing. Mm, this isn't what I pictured. I think when you would look at your life right now, you'd probably be wondering, you know, is this what I had dreamed of when I was young? I don't know if you ever felt that kind of uh, um, feeling in you when you've stopped while you're driving home from work and you've been in traffic for over an hour and a half and you say, is this really what I pictured what my life would turn out to be? And you could apply that to many different areas in your life. Is this marriage really what I thought it would be? Is, is the, every, every guy needs to just go like this, yes, yes, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> just keep looking forward and just keep nodding. Is, 
Is this job everything I thought it would be? Is, is, is the place in my life, is it exactly what I thought I would have? Or are you in some ways disappointed? And the reason I bring this up as we're continuing in our series, The Promised Land, is because on the path to your promise, there will be disappointments. And there will be moments in your life when you feel like where you are right now isn't exactly what you had pictured when you thought about what God had for you. And today we're in Genesis chapter 25. We, we just finished talking about Abraham and Isaac and Isaac being offered up as a sacrifice by Abraham. And now we get to see that Abraham, he's about to die. He's about to die and what we see here I think is so applicable for us if you've ever thought when you looked at your life, this isn't really what I thought it would be like. It says in Genesis chapter 25, verse 7, it said, these are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived, 175 years. Abraham lived a long time, 175 years, but that's not the point of what we're going through today. Actually, Abraham isn't even the main character for today. Today, we get a new character in our story of the promised land, and it comes after Abraham's death. This is in verse 8. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man, and listen, this is the key, what is it? Satisfied with his life. Satisfied because there is a difference to living a long life and living a life that you're satisfied with. There is a difference between living 175 years and not being satisfied and 65 and being completely satisfied. And what we see in this text is that Abraham, after struggling, after facing crisis after crisis, after going through test after test, after trusting God enough to leave his family, after trusting God to allow Lot to leave with the best land, after trusting God to not, to not be afraid of the war that's happening around him, but to fight the king that was outnumbering him, after spending years trusting God for a son, after going through the struggle with Sodom and Gomorrah, after going through all of this crisis, the Bible says he had his son, and his son was the heir to the promise that God gave him back in chapter 11. And now we see him in chapter 25. He's about to die, and he's satisfied with life. He's satisfied. My question, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with the life that you're in? Are you satisfied with what God has for you? Are you satisfied with where you are now? The Bible tells us that Abraham, up until this point, had not seen the fullness of what God had for him. That would come many, many generations later. And yet he's fully satisfied. He's fully satisfied because he trusts that if God took care of him, God is going to take care of his children and his grandchildren. And God is going to take, see, God is a generational God. That's what we're going to learn because the Bible, when it introduces God in the book of Genesis and all the way in through the New Testament, it tells us that God is the God of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob. Telling us that he's a God that's faithful from generation to generation to generation. The Bible tells us that Abraham, he dies, and it says he was gathered to his people, verse 9. Then his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, they, they took him and they buried him with Sarah, his wife. Sarah dies in chapter 24, and now he is buried with her. And then it says, it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. God's blessing is usually something that comes after we face a challenge. God's blessing usually comes when we endure difficult times and make it out of those difficult times. It says that God blessed Isaac after the death of Abraham, helping to encourage us to not, to not give up when we lose things, to not give up when things theoretically die. To trust God in the worst circumstances. It says that it was after Abraham died that Isaac was blessed. And it says that's a great area to end on if I wanted to end there. But again, Abraham's not the main character. I like TV shows and movies that they, they, they bring in a new character in the middle of the story. Kind of shake things up. And that's what we're seeing here. There's a new character, and it's, it's Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. And, and we get to see their story in verse 19 through 25 here in Genesis chapter 25. It says this in verse 19. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. We are already being told by Moses that, that the promise that God has for Isaac is going to be fulfilled. Right here. These are the recordings of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. He is, he is giving us a spoiler alert. Listen, God is good to Isaac. God fulfills this promise to Abraham by blessing Isaac. And I'm going to tell you up front so that when you see the challenges, you don't get sad about it. So that when you see the struggle, you don't get overwhelmed by it and wonder. Have you ever been there where you just uh, were watching a show or a movie and you said, I wonder how this is going to turn out. I really don't know how the main character is going to make it. There is always a moment in storytelling where it looks like the main character faces the worst odds. And it's in that moment that a good story shows you how they overcome it. Here Moses is telling us, hey, listen, God is going to bless Isaac. It's going to be good. Don't get down when you read what's next. I'd encourage you right now that God has plans for you, good plans. The Bible tells us that God has written out the story that he has for us. And the Bible says it's a good one. And so I believe like this is telling us that, that God blesses Isaac and that we shouldn't find a, a moment where we feel sad or discouraged. You too in the moments where you feel discouraged. You too in the moments where you feel like giving up. You too when you feel like things are overwhelming. You should trust that God has a good story. God has a good plan and he's already written it out for you. And if you believed it, you'd probably be clapping and saying amen. But maybe you don't believe it and that's why this is for you. Because you don't believe it. 
It said, now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham. So I could talk about records. I could talk about a record that matters more than this record. Because the Bible tells us in the New Testament that there is no record of your sin. The Bible tells us that because of Jesus, there is no record. It's gone. It's completely taken away. I think that would be good news for us today if we would just start. When we look at our lives and the place that God is taking us, his promise, if we can have a foundation from the fact that the record is expunged of our sin. God has taken it and cleared it. I got a call um, earlier this week. I got a call earlier this week from a creditor. And this creditor, I usually am like, I'm not going to answer this call because I ain't got it. I ain't got it. So I just, you ever just sit there and watch your phone ring and watch and just watch it ring? And you don't want to say anything because Siri will answer the phone for you? You ever done that? You're just talking and Siri answers it for you? This creditor was calling and um, I picked it up. I picked it up because I had it. I actually, it was better than that. I actually had the last payment. And I was ready to pay it off. And so I answered, hello, this is Raphael. How can I help you? Yes, I will verify the last four digits of my social security. Absolutely, I will give you my birthday. And yes, we can have this call recorded. How many times have I answered calls from creditors that I know the rhythm? I had no problem speaking to them because I knew, oh, man. I got it taken care of. I wonder how much confidence we would have if we knew that God had already paid the price for us. If he, if he took care of the biggest debt. Come on, the biggest debt has been taken care of. The biggest struggle that we have against God has already been, been taken care of by Jesus Christ. I think we would have more confidence in our life. The Bible says, now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of of Isaac. This little word there became has me thinking over and over and over again. It says Abraham became the father of Isaac. We know that already. We know that. I think the reason that Moses is adding this in here that Abraham became is because he's reminding us that there's a process to become. He's reminding us that each and every one of us on the path to the promise that God has for us, we have to embrace the process so that we can become. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old. The last time we saw Isaac, he was 25. 15 years later, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah. The daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Armenian, the, Ar, Ar, the Aramean to be his wife. I love it because it's giving us a little bit of their story. We didn't actually read it in Genesis chapter 24. Actually, Genesis chapter 24 is all about her and her family, Rebecca. What's interesting is, is that Genesis chapter 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Now, I don't know about you, but um, whenever I think of the Bible and I think of Genesis, I could think of 10, 20 other things that are happening in Genesis that would probably be 
better things to write long chapters about than Rebecca's family. Like, I would love to hear more about the Red Sea. I would love to hear more about how they made it through. I, I think I'd love to hear more about the pillar of fire that the people of Israel followed through the desert. I think I would want to hear long chapters about the tabernacle and how they made it in the desert. I think I would love to hear more about how God took them out of the hands of the Egyptians. But Rebecca's genealogy and her family gets the, well, I'll tell you why. She's the second most important woman in all of the book of Genesis. Sarah is the first because through Sarah comes being the, the birth of the promise, but the, the working out of God's promise is through Rebecca. And sometimes you can feel like you're just a nobody and that you're just this obscure person and God doesn't have anything really important for you because you're not Sarah or because you're not the pillar or because you're not the Ark of the Covenant or because you're not the story of God pulling you out of Egypt. But I just want you to know you're important. You're important. And it says that the longest chapter in the book of Genesis was about, was about Rebecca. And I actually, I, I wanted to teach that, but it's just, it's kind of funny. I didn't want to teach it because it's so repetitive. I'll give you, can I give you a quick summary? I'm going to give you a quick summary because I got the mic and I just make decisions like that. It's like this. So Abraham wanted his son to marry a woman from where he came from, someplace he could trust. He didn't want her to marry a woman from the Canaanites where he was living because he didn't want to mess up the genealogy. So he sent a servant unnamed. We don't know who it is. I like that because if it wasn't for him finding Rebecca, Rebecca would have never found Isaac, and yet he doesn't have a name. We don't know his name. There are some things in this life that you will accomplish that many people won't remember, and yet they are important. The Bible says that God told Abraham to send him to go find a wife for Isaac. And so, and so this guy, he goes and he's looking for a woman and she has to be beautiful. Actually, the name Rebecca means ravishingly beautiful. That's what it means. That's my sister. Her name is Rebecca. And look, I just got to say, I'm not going to say anything because she's stronger than I am and she'll hit me later and I just don't want anything to do with that. So he's focused on finding this ravishingly beautiful woman who's going to marry Isaac and be a part of the development of the nation because now the promise is born. Now there needs to be a wife to continue and create more children. And so out goes this, I love it, this guy, he goes and he says, this is how I'm going to find a woman. He can't get on an app and he can't go on Christian Mingle and he can't, you know, go on all these websites to find somebody. What he does is he goes to a website. And if you read the Old Testament, that was the place, that was the club, that was the place where you would meet somebody was, was at the well. Any, any weird places uh, that you know of or you would, this is where you go meet people. When I was in this lonely little place in Mississippi, they, they told us to me and my cousin Chris, you got to go to Walmart. <laughs> you got to go to Walmart. My dad knows it was Gulfport, Mississippi. You got to go to Walmart, and me and Chris just walking up and down Walmart's aisles. Just like, I guess this is the, and you, I promise you, parking lot was full with people. That was the hangout spot. That's the well in the Old Testament. This is, this is, this is where it's at. 
He says, I'm going to the well, and this is how I'm going to find the woman. I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, I'm tired. Can I get some water from your jug? And the woman who says yes, and then doesn't just offer me water, but also offers to water my camels, that's going to be the woman. Now listen, I'm just going to tell you that a lot of people take that chapter, chapter 24, to teach us what it's like to find a good woman. I won't go there right now because I don't want to get things thrown at me. But in this chapter, primarily, they're looking for a woman who wants to serve sacrificially. And I think that that's a good attribute. I really do. He wanted to find a woman for Isaac that would be a servant for him, that would help him, that would tirelessly serve him and his family. And that's why he put up these statistics of what he was looking for. Like when girls say, only six foot and over. Listen, this is what he's doing. I want someone who can serve. All my short kings are staying quiet. It's okay. <laughs> Ladies, just FYI, there's only, I think, 7% of American men that are over six foot tall. Like you are, you are dwindling down your chances. By the way, you're probably only 5'2", five, 5'3", five, anyway. I mean, come on. So anyway, they, they go to the well, and he gets there, and up shows up Rebecca. And he's like, this girl is beautiful. And he tells her, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm thirsty. Could you give me some water? And she said, yes, I'll give you water, and I'll, I'll give water to your camels. And, and why is this, like, important that she give water to the camels? Camels can drink 50 to 75 gallons in one sitting. So if she's the one fetching the water, how much work is she doing? A lot of work. We think we're cool because we can take groceries from the car to the, to the house. And one, she is, she is watering these camels. And it's showing us that she's a hard worker. She's a good woman. And she's, she's selfless. And she's serving. And so he says, hey, I want to tell you who I am. I'm coming from my master Abraham, and, and God told me that the woman who gives water to my camels and gives me water should come and be married to my, to my master, his, his son, who is the heir to his promise. So she says, well, we got to go talk to my dad. And they go to the house, and he goes to the house, and he, he explains everything throughout the whole chapter again and again. This is what I was doing, and this is what I, I asked God to do. And God told me that if the girl gave me water and gave water to my camels, then she'd be the one. And so I'm just telling you, I'm coming from Abraham. And it's really weird when you see it because he just keeps saying, I'm coming from Abraham. Abraham sent me. Abraham. Why is it important that he tells him that Abraham sent me? It's because Abraham was well known. They knew who he was. They've heard of everything that he had accomplished. And, and Abraham was actually somebody that was highly regarded. And so he's like, listen, my master Abraham is coming. And, and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. They know that there is a promise attached to Abraham. They know it. They know that God told Abraham that, that he would have many generations and many nations coming from him. So now you're this family, and here comes this man, and, and the guy that works for the man, the dude, the guy that's got the promise, he shows up, and the guy that has the promise on him, Isaac, is looking for a wife. And, and now this guy is saying, your daughter can go and be the wife that God uses. And listen, they let her go. 
quickly. They're like, yeah, she can go. And actually, it is actually, it's, 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 a little bit, it's a little bit less quick than that. They said, can we just stay with her for like seven to ten days because they know they're never going to see her again. And he's like, no, we got to go. And so the Bible tells us that, that they go. And this is, this is actually what they say in Genesis 24, 60. Genesis 24, 60, as she's leaving, this is what they say. Genesis 24, verse 60. They say this to her. Let's see if we can get it up. You got to see it. You got to see it. They say this. They say, may you, our sister, become thousands of tens of thousands. And may your descendants possess the gate of those who hate them. They already, never in once in chapter 24 do you see them talking about the promise. They already knew it. It was famous. They said, may you, our sister, become thousands of tens of thousands. They know that there is a promise. So they're excited. And, And you know Rebecca's excited. She's the one that got picked. She's the one that gets to be a part of this promise. And the Bible tells us that, that she is excited and she, she runs and gets on the camel and then she rides all the way to Isaac. And, and you know what's really funny? I'll tell you this. The Bible says that when Isaac met her, she jumped off the camel. She took off her veil and ran towards him. That's something you did not do. You would, you would hide your face from the man you were going to marry. She took off her veil because she was confident that they were going to be together. And the Bible says they got married. And here's the cool thing. The Bible says that Isaac was hurting because his mom died. He was hurting. Then it says he met Rebecca. And this is a cool little scripture. I don't have it up there. You can read it. It says that Isaac loved Rebecca. Now, here's, here's something that you probably did not know. That is the first time in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, where you see a man loving a woman. Isaac loved her. He loved her. You never see that of Adam and Eve. You never even see that from Abraham and Sarah. But you see it in Isaac. He loves Rebecca. So the Bible says in chapter 25 now, it says this in verse 21. They've been married now for some time. And now we get into their story. Just three verses. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Wow. Haven't we been through this before? Why Isaac and Rebecca? She's barren. We know what that means. That means she can't have children. We know what that means. She's struggling to be fertile, and yet she's the one that God chose to be connected to the promise, the next phase of God's promise for Abraham and the nation of Israel. And yet right here, when we're introduced, how were we introduced to Sarah? Sarah was barren. Here we see Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. I was thinking about this scripture and I was struggling with it because like, why God? Why why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow her to be barren? Why does she have to go through this? 
What lesson are you trying to teach that hasn't already been learned through Abraham and Sarah? Why? And I wonder if you've ever asked that question about your life. Why, God? Why me? This is already something that's happened to my family. This is already something that's been going on generationally. This thing has already been in my family so deeply, and now me, I have to deal with it. Now me, I have to struggle with it. Now me and my family, we have to wrestle with it. This is exactly what she is going through. She is now barren. What lesson could she learn? What lesson could she get from this situation that she didn't already know based on everything that happened from Abraham and Sarah? When you look at this scripture, when you see everything that's happening, the Bible tells us that she was barren. And here's the important thing. Isaac prayed for her. Isaac prayed. Now, now listen, this isn't just happening to, to, to Rebecca. It's happening to, to Isaac. And, and listen, Isaac was a child of the promise. How many times do you think Isaac heard the story over and over again that, that, that Abraham probably told him, you are a miracle child. Me and your mom could not have children. God had to resurrect your mom's womb so that she could have a child. How many times did he hear this before? How often were, were, were they gathered at the table eating food and, and did he hear the story of how God did something impossible for them and for their and now he's going through it and yet he prays doesn't give up now look I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you some information now they were trying for 20 years 20 years how old is Isaac here? 60. They've been married for 20 years. And now he's 60 and his wife is barren. She is 40 now. I need you to remember that. She was 20 when she met Isaac. She is 40 now. And the Bible says she's, she's barren. Here's what I gather from this. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. I believe that everything that he went through, it was the fuel that he needed so that he could stay faithful when things got tough. Everything that he heard from his father about what God did for him gave him the ability to get past the struggles like this. Here's, here's the application. Parents, it's important that you tell your children what God did for you. Parents, it is important for your children to know how God has come through. Parents, it is important for you to pass down story after story of how God has been faithful to you. Parents, it is important for you to gather your family around the table and to tell them how good God is, how faithful he is, and how bad it was, and how much faith you had to have, and how difficult things got. But God came through, and God answered our prayers, and God did this for us. And listen, what if your struggle is there in your life as a parent because God knows that your children need the faith that you're going to have to get through what they're going to go through, and so God is putting you through it so that you can pass on the generational promise here. 
Don't be afraid, parent, when the things that you go through become overwhelming. God is giving you a story to tell. And hopefully you gather your children and you tell them about God's faithfulness. I remember every story my grandmother would tell me about God's faithfulness. When every time we get together, my grandmama stands up. She's about this tall, 95 years old. And when she speaks, everyone listens. You want to know why? Because she's got stories. She's, guess what? You got a story. You got a story, something that God has done. How often do you share them with your children because your children one day will need them? One day when you're long gone, if God takes his time, your children will need the same faith you have. Your children will look to the same God that you have. If your parents never told you about Jesus, never told you about what happened in their lives and how God came through, it doesn't mean that it can't start with you. It says that he prayed, prayed for his wife because she was barren. There's a lot of, it's funny, there's a lot of correlation between uh, Sarah and Rebecca. A lot of it. You'll see it throughout her story. She's barren, that's one. But they're different. They're same, they're the same, but they're different. Can I give you some? Some examples. Let me give you some examples. Abraham and Sarah had similar struggles, but they weren't the same. Here are some of the, the differences. The Bible tells us that Sarah and Abraham, they were old when they got the promise. Isaac and Rebekah were young. Abraham and Sarah were past childbearing age. Isaac and Rebekah are in their prime. Abraham and Sarah had to decide if they actually wanted to try. Isaac and Rebekah had to decide if they wanted to keep on trying. Oh, I don't know if you see it. Because on the one hand, you have Abraham and Sarah. They don't even know if they want to try. We're too old. It, the door is closed. There is no way. So why even try? Then on the other hand, you have Isaac and Rebecca. They've been trying for 20 years and nothing. Nothing. On one hand, you have Abraham and Sarah debating whether or not they want to go through the trouble of actually maybe sleeping together. And yet, now you see Isaac and Rebekah, and they've been sleeping together for 20 years and nothing. I wonder, which one are you? Are you Sarah and Abraham, and you're saying, oh, man, this, I don't know, there's no way. There's no way. I don't, I don't even want to try. Uh, uh, like what God is telling me and what you're saying and the things that God has asked me to do, like there's no way. That's, that would take a miracle. And I don't, even, I don't even want to try. Do you know what kind of job I have? Do you know the kind of background, my family? Do you know the kind of struggle that I go through? Do you know the kids that I have, the parents? Do you even know how old I am? Do you know? No, I'm not going to do that. Or are you, are you Isaac and are you Rebecca where you're saying... I've been trying. I'm putting in the effort. Every single day I try. 
Every single day I give all that I have. Every single day I'm trusting God. I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm doing what God has asked me to do. I'm working as hard as I can. You don't know how hard I'm trying, and every time I try, it keeps ending up in failure. And maybe you're, you're Isaac and Rebecca, and because of all the failure, you don't know if you want to keep moving forward. You don't know if you want to give the marriage another chance. You don't know if you're going to keep trusting that person. You don't know if you're going to keep your trust in God. You don't know if you're going to keep living this life. You're even thinking of giving up on it because you're like, I've been trying. I've been trying over and over and over. Hey, are you so frustrated that you don't even want to try? Because you don't think it's possible or because you've been failing over and over and over again? Are you frustrated because you have been trying and you're getting the same result? Over and over. A lot coming from just two little words in this verse. Isaac prayed. It means he had faith. It means he believed. It means he didn't give up. It means he trusted. Hey, babe, listen. If God came through for my mama, he can come through for us. That's what he says. And the Bible says Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And listen, the Lord answered him. The, the power of a praying man. If more men would pray, if more men would take a stand in their homes and pray, if more men would take a stand in their homes and lead, if more men would take a stand for their loved ones, things would, the change happened when he prayed. It said the Lord answered him and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Now listen, I need you to get this. Conception is not reception. Conception is not reception. She conceived, but that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Conception is not reception. She conceived, but then the Bible tells us, verse 22, but the children struggled together within her. She conceived the baby, and yet, and yet, she had struggles ahead of her. She had struggles. Now listen, most scholars will say that, that, that Rebecca had um, uh, endometriosis, PCOS, just everything, and that for 20 years, it was a struggle. That for 20 years, no matter how much effort she gave, it just was never going to end up ending anywhere other than disappointment. So the Bible says that she conceived, and yet it was just the beginning. How many times do you think she had conceived something and then faced disappointment? We don't know if she had a miscarriage. We don't know if she struggled in that way. But we do know that she struggled for 20 years. 20 years, the Bible said, and the Lord answered him, and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes, some, listen, it says this in verse 22, but the children struggled within her. Could it be that your challenge is just a sign of conception? It said that she had been struggling. Could it be that the struggle was a sign? 
We don't like to look at struggle as a sign of good things, but maybe it's a sign of good things and not bad. The Bible says that she was facing challenges because she had finally conceived. What if God has actually birthed something in you, given you something that's going to be there for you and your family for years and years to come? What if God has started something in you and you're facing challenges and you want to give up? Listen, you've, you've conceived. Stay strong until you receive. Don't let the challenges you face stop you. It says that she conceived, but again, conception is not reception. Look at verse 22. It says this, but the children struggled together within her. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but that's plural. That's, that's plural. It says, but the children struggled together within her. That's plural, meaning there are more children in her than she thought. I, I, I want to preach the paint off the walls, but I'm not. I'm going keep, to keep calm. It says, the children struggled together within her. Here's what I want to say. The struggle may actually indicate the size of God's provision. The struggle may actually indicate the size of God's, why, why is she struggling? Because there's more than one. Why is she experiencing these challenges? Because there's more than one in her stomach. The struggle that you're facing in life may actually indicate the size of what God is trying to birth in and through you. What you carry might be more than you could ever imagine. And because you're carrying so much, you are, you, are, you are carrying so much, you have more struggle and more challenges. Because the size of what's inside of you may actually indicate the, the, the struggle that God has given you is, is the same. She doesn't even know there's two in there. This is Moses writing from, you know, years later. He says, but the children struggled to get her within her, and she said, this is funny. She's, it's not funny because she's so upset and so frustrated. She's got two babies in her, and she's struggling so much. She's afraid she's going to lose the children, and she doesn't even know what God has, has given her. And yet here's what it says. It says that she says, if it is so, why am I this way? I think she asked a question that a lot of us ask. If it is so, why am I this way? Why, what is she referring to when she says it? If it is so, what is the it? Pregnancy. Beyond that. Let's get deeper into that. Am I really the one that God wants? Because I know your story. I know your dad's story. And I know that he made a mistake and went with Hagar. Am I really the one? So much doubt is in her mind right now. If I really am blessed, then why am I struggling like this? If God really does love me and has plans for me, then why 
this pain. If it is so that God heard you, Isaac, then why am I struggling? If it is so that God wants to use me to be a part of his promise, why am I facing these challenges? If it is so that God will do for me what he did for Sarah, why am I in so much pain and why does this keep failing over and over again? If it is so, why doesn't he fix my issues? Hey, what is your if it is so? What is it? Is it if it is so that he loves me, then why do I hate myself? Is it if it is so that he can help me, why do I feel so helpless? If it is so that he can give me happiness and joy, then why is life so hard? If it is so that he has so much in store for me, then why can't I get past this current struggle? If it is so, why? 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 If it is so that God loves me, why do I feel like such a failure? If it is so that I'm forgiven, why can't I forgive myself? I'll tell you why. Because maybe what you want to be accomplished in the natural, God wants you to experience in the supernatural. Let me explain that. God could have naturally allowed them to have a baby, but he didn't. Because he wanted them to supernaturally experience what it's like to have a baby. Because I just think sometimes stories aren't enough. And I think sometimes God just wants you to go through what you need to go through so that you can learn yourself. Because I think even though that they had good stories that helped them have faith, God's like, I'm glad you, yes, keep believing, keep trusting, but you're going to go through this too. Because you need to know what it's like for me not to come through for your grandma, for your mom, for your dad. You need to know what it's like for me to come through for you. You need to know what it's like for me to do a miracle for you. You need to know what it's like to see me do something in the supernatural the way I did for your ancestors. You need to be the one to see it that way. Quit expecting the natural. Meaning he wants to show you that he is the only answer for your needs. Maybe your struggle is there so that it leads you into the supernatural arms of God. The Bible says, here we go, and we're going to end here. Let's get the band up here. We'll end early today. Sorry, I saw that sermon last in an hour and ten minutes. I'm like, ooh, the Holy Spirit. Blame him. Don't blame me. <laughs> this is really funny. Look at the scripture. It says, if it is so, why then am I this way? Have you ever asked that? Why am I this way? I say that to my kids all the time whenever they spill their drinks. Every time we sit down at a table. See, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> have you ever looked at yourself and said, why, why? Have you ever made a mistake and said, why do I do that? Have you ever made a mistake and said, why do I do the things that I do? Why am I? You know, Paul said that. Paul, the writer of the New Testament. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Giving us hope that no matter how much we fail, God still loves us. God still cares. God's promise endures. 
because he's not asking us to be perfect because Jesus is perfect for us. So she says, why am I this way? Now look at this, ladies, you got to see this. So she, who? She, verse 22, let's put it up. Bible says, so she went to inquire of the Lord. She went to inquire of the Lord. She didn't let her husband do it for her. She went. I'm going. And I'm going to speak to God. She went. Listen, you need to go. Quit coming to church hoping that I go there for you. Or that your house church pastor goes there for you. You need to go to God. You need to be the one entering into his throne room. She went there. She went there. She inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, wow, this is, listen, this is the first time a woman in the Bible gets to hear from God. I know some people will say, I don't know, Hagar, this is, that was, this is God, Yahweh, Elohim speaking. And he says to her, why are you struggling? Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. Two nations are in your room, and two peoples will be separated from your body. God is saying, what I have for you is bigger than what you thought. What I have for you is better than what you could have imagined. What I have for you is more than what you could ask, think, or imagine. You wanted a child, I'm giving you two right now. Two nations, you're struggling because there's more in you than you thought there was. You're struggling because there's more inside of you that God has placed in you. You're struggling because God wants more from you because he's placed it in you. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. And one shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. He's saying, look, your disappointment, your pain, your feelings of insignificance, it's all going to wind up being okay because you're going to see that I overwhelmed you with blessings. I'm not just giving you one child. I'm giving you two. There's more. Verse 24. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled. Hey, that's simple. You got to wait. You got to trust. Listen, I know people give up. People give up when they don't see what they want. People give up when they don't think things are happening fast enough. I'm a pastor. I know people give up on me all the time. They want to see answers tomorrow. But there's a day that has to be fulfilled. There's a moment of birthing that has to happen. And the Bible says right here, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold. I love that. Behold. Like it's, it's a surprise. Behold. There were twins in her womb. I think that the reason that's there is because they really didn't believe it. They really had doubt. God told you, you have two, girl, do you know your history? 
you've been struggling for 20 years and you think God spoke to you and told you that you have that the days were fulfilled behold there were twins listen there will come a day where behold everything that God promised you everything that he put inside of you will be birthed would you stand with me? Just stand with me. Because I know that you're struggling, because I know that you're facing a lot of moments in your life where you feel like things aren't going the way that you expected. It's not what I pictured, it's not what I expected. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Go to the Lord. Don't give up. And you'll see that God has something incredible that he wants to birth in you, in your family, through you, through this church. I believe with all my heart, God has something special. I want to pray for you right now. I want you to put your hands up. Put your heads down. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just pray for every person here who's been disappointed, every person here who's facing moments of struggle, every person here, Lord, whose expectations haven't been met, every person here who's facing difficulty and they want to give up because they've been trying over and over and over again. God, give them the strength. Give them the courage to move forward to trust you, God, for every person in here who's afraid to even try because they have doubt. They're wrestling with doubt about themselves, about your promise for them, about your ability to do something so miraculous in them, Lord, that, it, that it's overwhelming them, that they don't even want to try. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that your spirit would move, and that they would take steps of faith, and that they would trust you today, that they would believe that you have something so powerful ready for them, that they would, they would believe you for the unbelievable. We ask that you would do this for us and that you would use these stories of your people to encourage us and move us into the place that you want us to be so that we can see you birth in and through us what you have in us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Amen.